glad you're here, whether you're brand new with us or you've been with us for a while, we're thankful you're here. Uh, would you uh, pass the friendship folders at this point? Uh, and if you are new with us, would you just make it a point to find us uh, in the Welcome Center in the lobby after uh, the service to uh, give you something for free, uh, just a gift to say thanks for joining us. Um, the other thing that I'd like to make a big plug for is that we are back to normal with our Wednesday student ministry, children's ministry schedule. So everything's running and moving like, you know, on the speed of relationships. You like that. Uh, so we're thankful for that and we're excited at what God's doing in this church. And uh, we talked about the birthday gift of Jesus last week. And we've been, we've been sharing for a couple weeks now, but we just want to give God another hand. We've been, we raised over $107,000. want to give God a hand for that. We're super excited. Yeah, this is a big deal. That's good. I like that. Um, we, just want to, we just want to say thank you because this is above and beyond our normal tithe. And so this, this money, these monies go towards local, national, international ministry partners. And so we're excited to see how God's going to use that money to further his kingdom. Uh, another big thing that we want to share is on February 11th, we are going to be having our next steps meeting. It's uh, going to be how we're going to start addressing membership here at Crossroads. Uh, they've been talking about membership one-on-one. You're probably used to that name. And so next steps is just a way for us to kind of answer questions like, hey, I'm here at the church. What's next? Thus, next steps. And so there's a free lunch, and it's going to be on February 11th. And we're going to be addressing, converse, you know, addressing those questions and really just kind of showing everybody where, you know, what's, what's the next step? Serving, what are my gifts, you know, how can I get connected here at Crossroads, answering questions, maybe introducing you to other people, life groups, answering all those questions. So next steps uh, is going to be a meeting um, on February 11th and it's going to be, there's going to be a lunch and we'll be sharing and answering questions and we're really excited about how God's going to use that to just kind of show people what's the next step here at Crossroads, how can I serve, how can I you know, get connected here, and so we're excited about that. Um, at this point, I'd like to ask the ushers to come forward for our morning offering. And uh, again, if you're brand new here with us this morning, feel free to just let the plate pass. It's for those who are normal in the grace of giving. You are absolutely more than welcome to participate. So let's go ahead and go before the Lord. God, we come before you acknowledging, God, you are God. You are the priority. You're why we gather. And God, for many of us this morning... Um, we're just here because we're looking for answers. Uh, God, we're looking for answers to questions that we are struggling with. And so I'm so thankful, God, for this church. I'm thankful for everyone here. And God, those who are maybe watching from home or watching from a hotel room, God, or even just those who are just uh, here in spirit, God, just doing other things. We are so thankful for our church family. And God, we are so thankful for the many treasures you give to us. God, no matter what size, we know you will use those monies, God, those treasures to further your kingdom. And so now, God, we give out of a heart of humility and sacrifice, knowing you will use those uh, for your greater kingdom work. God, we love you, and we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, because no matter how, what our past looks like, no matter where we are now, no matter what we will do, God, you only see us through your son, Jesus Christ, and we are defined by Jesus, and we praise you for that. We love you, and we thank you for loving us. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Wherever you 
And this morning, as, uh, as we are going to look, we're going to look at this topic of depression. I, uh, I found a good, good little quote in here. I'd like to just read it to you from Joyce Landorf. She says, I was at a place in life, racked with constant pain and the natural byproduct of illness, depression. When I seemed to be quite allergic to people and their letters, which evaluated the pain and depression, most Christians can't spell depression, much less much less admit that they have it. And you know what? She's, she's got a good point there. I think sometimes you know, we, we, we're coming along, we're following the journey of Christ, and we, we kind of give this portrayal that everything should be happy-go-lucky all the time. And uh, she even has on another chapter in here, she talks about, she calls it fad theology. This book was written in the 80s. She says, whoever came up with this fad theology that says that you're supposed to be happy all the time, that, that a Christian never has any trials, that a Christian never has any pain, that a Christian never suffers, and that a Christian never gets depressed. And so as, as I read that, I, I was like really challenged by that. And I said, wow, you know what? That is probably so true. The church at large uh, has kind of stayed away and said, wow, you know what? We're, you know, you're supposed to be happy. And yet, you know what? We have joy, and our joy comes from the Lord. See, there's happiness, and then there's joy. And happiness is something that's circumstantial, and you get that from your circumstances. Joy comes from God, and that's something that's much deeper than your circumstances. So as, our, as we go to teach joy, we did a whole series entitled Joyride uh, two summers ago. And so as we're, as we're going through this, yes, the Christian life is filled with joy. But there are times that we are also going to go through valleys. And we go through dark times. We go through times that we wonder if we will ever get through them, to be honest. And those are times of depression. And as we deal with times of depression, I want you to be encouraged this morning because God uh, has dealt with many people in Scripture that have, that have dealt with depression. In our country last year, uh, it is believed that 6 million Americans experienced one major episode of clinical depression. So you have, you have clinical depressions. One out of ten Americans will experience a clinical depression in their lifetime. Uh, but I will tell you this, 100% of us will experience extended times of sadness that we would call a depression. In other words, man, it was down, uh, it just seemed like everything was down and there, there was no hope. It was dark and the, the journey seemed long and we wondered if there would be any end to the journey. And with that, as you start to get down, as you get, get into these modes, you get a change in your sleeping habits, all right? Some people will sleep less, others will sleep more. I tend to be, when I get down, I like to sleep more. I could have been Rip Van Winkle, I think, you know? Just let me sleep for a few, few hundred years, right? And uh, as you go down and you get into that valley... Uh, the lack of margin in our emotional life is where this comes from. So, so we have all this, uh, this adrenaline that's built up from, from the things that have happened. And quite often, most of the time, that, uh, the catalyst is a loss. And so we look at there's, a, there's been something that we've lost. A loss of a relationship. A loss of a loved one. Uh, a loss of a job. A loss of income. A, a loss of status. And, and so you can go through there and, and you can look at your life and you go through and you look at the, the times that were down and you see those times of depression. You can typically go back and say there was an event, something that happened there. And for many times it's a, a physical thing. Um, you know, uh, you can, you can be, go through times of depression from physical nature. So I, I want to look here at 2 Corinthians 4. Verses 7 through 10. 
But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Uh, we, ha- we always carry around in, one- in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. And so what the Apostle Paul here is saying, he's saying, listen, that, that you can be down. He says we are hard-pressed in, in, uh, in verse 7 there, I believe, 7 or 8. He says we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We've not been abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. In other words, he says that, that it's okay for a believer to get down. Because the, the Apostle Paul was experiencing times of depression, times when he was down. But he said he was down, but not out. And I want to encourage you, because as believers, we will go through times of depression. And you may be experiencing that right now. You know, January is, is notorious in western Pennsylvania. People really struggle this time of year. Uh, we haven't seen the sunshine, you know. Uh, we, we see it for an hour or two a day. That's not enough. My southern friends talk about the sunshine all the time. I'm like, I just don't understand what they're talking about, you know. It's like, wow, what is that thing in the sky that they refer to okay and, and you know and this is pittsburgh it's cold and it's dreary and so we you may even go through seasonal times right so uh, as we deal with these these uh, events in life and deal, and we react to them and and we are we are we, we're in these times of despair the apostle paul says that we are down the apostle paul had more room to talk about this than anybody he was beaten he was abandoned he was thrown in jail. He was shipwrecked. I mean, you name it. He, there was warrants out for his arrest, warrants out for his life all the time. And he says, I am down, but I am not out. And so let's take that today. If you lost your job and you lose your job and then you come home from, from work and you've lost your job, what do you do? You cry. You're, you're in pain. You're, you're overwhelmed. You're like, I can't believe it. I just gave my whole life to this job, and, and, and now they tell me to walk away. And so you come home, and, and you go down, and this is where it begins. And you, and you, start, you start to get down, and you, 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 you grieve. And there's a period of grieving. And then, because we are down but not out, you're able to pick up, and you go out, and you start applying to other jobs. And you start to make forward motion. You make some progress. We're down but not out. When we're down... And, with, and we have no despair, here's how it looks. I've gotten let go from my job. I've been released. I've gone home. And now I have no hope. And now, because I let go, I'll never have another job. And I, I must not be worthy of another job. And we start this downward spiral. And that's where we can get really stuck at times. And the Apostle Paul says that we are down but not out. And I want to encourage you, as we look through the scriptures, I see, I see that uh, it's okay to be down. But the Apostle Paul says, you're not out. As you're looking through, through depression, I want you to think about depression. Uh, depression is to our emotions what pain is to our body. You know, if I come and I, I hit my thumb with a hammer, man, you yell, you scream, ah, you, you, you know there's a problem, right? But when we have an emotional problem, 
whenever things have happened emotionally, we've lost the relationship. You just don't walk away from a lost relationship and not have pain. Uh, there's no more emotional margin. I, I've lost a friendship. I've lost a, a loved one. You've buried a family member. Uh, listen, you just don't walk away from that and not deal. Uh, you, you just don't say, okay, life just keeps going. What I do next, what I do tomorrow. You're going to go through those valleys. You're going to go through the pain. And it feels dark at times. But I want to encourage you that God is with you in those dark times. He promises he will never leave you nor forsake you. He is there at those, at those, at those valleys with you. He's there on the mountain. He's there on, in the valleys. And as you go through and you look through Scripture, you'll see that, <clears throat> that over and over that people deal with depression in the Scripture. And I want you to know this morning that depression is not a sin. It's not a sin. I, because the church at large has been like afraid of it, depression is not a sin. It is a symptom. It is something that tells us that there, there's, a, there's a problem. It's kind of like, a, you know, when you're driving your car and you have those little lights that come on in the car. You know, that when that little light comes on, it looks like an engine, okay? That is not there for decoration. My daughter called. She was down at Liberty University a few, you know, last semester. She called back and said, Dad, this cute little light came on my dashboard. I was like, that's not a Christmas light, Kara, okay? I said, she's like, what does it mean? I said, it means get to a garage. It's the check engine light. It means there's a problem. That comes on and tells you to deal with it, okay? Things break down. What do we got to do? We have to deal with it. It's no problem that things break down. That's part of life. Things break down, we fix them. We get repaired. So I want to encourage you in your life, when you go through times of depression, it means you're seeing, oh, the check engine lights come on. You can say, wow, I've got some issues that I have to deal with here. Uh, It could be just grieving a loss. Uh, It could be dealing with pain, but it's a check engine light. Uh, It could be something physical. You know, sometimes as we, as we age, as we grow, as we change, uh, your body goes through different, different times. And it's like, wow, sometimes you've got to go to a doctor. And a doctor gives you a medicine. And, uh, and so I always say if it is a chemical issue, if it's a medical issue, fix it medically. Fix it chemically. Sometimes it's just like, wow, we just need to, need to get some chemicals balanced. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, a guy goes to the doctor and he gets a blood pressure pill. So he takes the blood pressure pill. And so sometimes we have to do that also uh, when, we're, when we're coming out of depression and trying to deal with some of those things. So we, we come down, it's a check, check engine light, and we deal with it. Uh, t- this morning, I want to just remind you of a few people in the Scripture that dealt with it. Proverbs 12.25 says that anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. We go through these times, and we get down. So David... Uh, you think of King David. He was a great man of God. He was used by God mightily. And uh, we know that he went through times of depression. If you look through the Psalms, you'll see themes like this. Faintness of heart, endless days, sleepless nights, tears, obsessive fear, and numbness, just to name a few. And, and as you go through there, you say, wow, those are kind of the signs and symptoms that I've dealt with. Um, but even in the midst of his depression... David was able to sing praise to God. And you see, there's the hope. There's the hope that we come. We say, all right, I'm down, I'm dealing with this, but yet I know that my God still lives. I know that he's there. Uh, Moses, Moses was worn out. He was a leader. 
God called him and he called him uh, from the burning bush. And he says, I want you to go out. I want you to do great things. You're going to lead my people out of Israel. So the people lead, uh, he, he leads the people out of Israel. And God does some pretty powerful things with the life of Moses. Well, Moses gets the people out in the desert and it begins to get hard. Um, uh, you know, he, he's, uh, he's done everything right uh, to the very best of his ability. But then things go wrong out in the wilderness. And at that point, Moses cries out in hopelessness and despair, filled with feelings of, I'm no good. He felt that God had let him down, and, and then he prays. And, and the truth is that the, the ministry of Moses would never have come into being if he had not cried out to God with his earlier times of depression. Uh, Job. Job was a, a man of God. He was used greatly of God. You go read, go read the whole book of Job. There's a whole book dedicated to this guy. And Job, he's, uh, he, you know, he, he's taken on life. He's got a pretty good life. He's got a great wife. He's got kids. He's got cattle everywhere. He's got all, all, all the signs of wealth. I mean, he has been blessed. His, his career is going good. And uh, he comes before God, and he's worshiping the Lord. And the enemy comes before God and says, uh-huh, I'm going to show you. Job loves your gifts, God, more than he loves you. He doesn't really love you, God. He loves your gifts. He loves all the wealth you've given. He loves the land. He loves all these things. And so as, as, uh, as, he, as Satan was talking to God, God says, okay, good, Satan. You can take all those gifts. Because I know Job loves me. Job's my child. So Satan went, went at it. And his wife told him to curse God and die. His, uh, his, his family ends up, you know, he loses his kids. He loses all of his wealth. He loses everything. And he gets down to where he has nothing left. And now his own health is going down. And what does he do? He cries out to the Lord. Uh, he says this, Job opens his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. He cursed the day of his birth. Why did I not die at birth come for, and come forth from, my womb, from the womb and expire? Why is light given to him who suffers and life to the bitter of soul who long for death? But there is, uh, but, but there is note. Exalt when they find the grace. I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. I am not at rest, but turmoil comes. You see, God, God used Job, and he's crying out to the Lord. He's saying, I don't think I can make it, God. Uh, Jonah, Jonah was another one. He cried out to the Lord, Jonah 4.3. Therefore, now, O Lord, take, I pray thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And so we see, we see times when life is tough, when we're dealing with depression, when things are so overwhelming, we just don't think that we can move forward. One of the greatest guys in the Bible that I see is, uh, uh, is Elijah. And, and I look at Elijah, and you, you, you can look all through the Bible, and you see these guys were overwhelmed. And somehow we think that, well, Christians should never be overwhelmed. A Christian should never get down. But I see it in the Scriptures over and over. These guys, they got down, but God got them through it. And that's where I want to take us today. Let's look at 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1. And as we look at 1 Kings 19, verse 1 on the screen, I'm, I'm just going to read, read to you what happened here. Uh, it says, when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So here's what happened. Elijah, the prophet, uh, was, had done some pretty cool things in front of the nation of Israel. Ahab was king. He was, the, he was a bad king. He was wicked. He did not love the Lord. And then there was his wife Jezebel. 
Jezebel was a wicked person. So he married this, he married this ungodly person, Jezebel. Elijah is the prophet of God. God called the prophets, and the prophet's job was to return the people back to God. That's all he did. The, the prophet would come, and he would speak on behalf of the Lord, get their attention, and get the nation to follow back to the Lord. So they had to, it was so cool. If you go back and you read chapter 17 and 18 of 1 Kings, it's really a cool story. Uh, it's, it's not a story, it's history, some really cool history. You go back and you look at it, and you'll see that, first of all, Elijah is this prophet, and he, God uses him, and he prays, and he has the rain stop for three years. For three years, God used Elijah, and he says, now go tell the king that there's going to be a drought in the land. How would you like to have that kind of prayer life? That you could stop the rain for three years. That you could come tell the king that it's not going to rain. There's going to be a drought in the land. And so, so the rain stops for three years. And as, as they're coming to the end of the three years, uh, he comes up before the prophets of the false god Baal. So there, there was Baal and the false god, and, and there were 450 prophets, the scriptures tell us. So there was one prophet for God, for the Almighty God, to the Lord God, and that was Elijah. And then you have 450 prophets. So he says, I'll tell you what we're going to do. You're going to come over here, and you're going to set up your altars, and you're going to pray your God down. And you just call on Baal, and you pray God down, you pray him down, see what he does, fire, whatever. We'll just see what he does. And then I'll set up my altar, and Elijah says, I'll set up my altar, and then I'll call on my God, and we'll see who, whose God is for real. So Elijah does it, and the 450 prophets, they go out and they make their, pro, their, their altar. They build it, and they come, and they're praying, and they're praying, and they're praying, and nothing's happening. And Elijah even says to him, he says, is your God asleep? Is your God, is your, did your God forget about you? Is your God in the bathroom even? And you go read it, it's kind of cool. He asks, is your God in the bathroom? I'm like, I love it, the Old Testament's so cool. He's like, is your God in the bathroom? And, 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 and so they're, 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 they're done. There's, their God's doing nothing because it, he's not a God. He's a little G, Baal. He has no power. These people have been following somebody who had no power. Elijah comes over here. He has his altar built. And he says, okay, it hasn't rained for three years. Let's take and cover it in water once. Altar's covered in water. Cover it in water again. Three times, once for each year that it hadn't rained. He covers it in water. Then he prays. And I mean, this altar is soaking wet. So there's no way that nobody could start a fire. He says he prays and God sends fire down from heaven and consumes the altar. Now, look whose God is real. So Elijah was used like this. And yet over there, there's the 450 prophets. They, they're, they're no good anymore. And that day, it says that the 450 prophets were killed. He had them killed. So 450 prophets had them, they were, they were killed that day. And so Ahab comes back and he's telling all this story to his wife Jezebel. Hey, honey, you should have saw it. And he built his altar. And, a water, and, a, right? and, and so this, this is the story, where, this, this is where we're picking up today. Verse 2, so Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as, just as you have killed them. Now, this is where the the, the hard time entered. He was used by God. There was some of the greatest victory. I mean, today we're talking about this 4,000 years later. We are talking about this, and we're like, we're saying, wow, this is incredible that God would use this man to do this. But yet, this woman gets a hold of it and says, I'm going to kill him. 
Verse 3, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Now, now check this out. Here's what happens. He come off the greatest high. And we tend to think that when things are going so well, that that is the, the things can't get any worse, right? That, that this is wonderful day. We couldn't, we couldn't have had a better day. And all of a sudden, we experienced the down. All of a sudden, we experienced the hardship. All of a sudden, depression comes. And so he, he's now afraid. It's like, wait a minute, you just killed 450 prophets over there, and you're afraid of who? You're afraid of Jezebel, this lady? You're afraid of some lady? Wait a minute, you killed 450 prophets. You called fire down from heaven. You asked God to stop the rain for three years. And then the rain comes back after you pray again. And you are going to be afraid of Jezebel because she's looking for your life. And so, so, so look what happens here. Verse 4, then he went on alone into the wilderness. Uh, he went alone into the wilderness traveling there. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. He's depressed. He's overwhelmed. This is hard. This is one of God's servants. And and you know what? What is so cool about this is verse 5. Then he lay down and he slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. Now this is, this, I, I love this because here we come, we see him out in the desert, he's getting the rest, he's physically exhausted, he's physically worn out, so God, God ministers to him and while he's asleep, God ministers. Verse 6, he, he woke up, he looked around and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. God knew exactly what he needed. God comes to him and says, I know you need rest. You need physical rest. Your body needs some downtime. He's running. I mean, he's come from the greatest victories of his life, and now he's running. He's in fear. It's like, why would you be afraid of little Jezebel whenever you just took down and did the greatest things that anybody's ever seen? See what happens. He, he came off. The adrenaline was rushing so much. And now as he comes off that great high. And by the way, folks, in your life, when you come off a great victorious moments is one of the most dangerous times in our life. That is one of the most dangerous times. We, we think, wow, we finally have made it. We've achieved it. That's a dangerous moment because we, we hit this pinnacle. And after we hit the pinnacle, after we hit the mountain, there's always a valley. And as we come down in the valley, sometimes a lot of trouble can happen as we go down. And here he is. He's out here in the wilderness, but yet God knew what he needed. I mean, there's nobody. Folks, you just don't wake up and find food in the wilderness. You're out in the desert. You just don't wake up and find food. I'm in Finleyville. I just don't wake up and find food in Finleyville. You know, it's like there's nothing out here. He's running from his problem. Verse 7, then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him. He, so he goes back to sleep. It's a second time. The angel of the Lord wakes him up again. We don't know how long he was sleeping. I could, I could just envision him sleeping for a few days. The angel of the Lord wakes him up and says, get up and, and eat some more. Or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank and the food uh, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights 
to Mount Sinai or, or Horeb. Uh, it, many translations use Horeb or Sinai. It's the same place. You remember Mount Sinai. That's where, where God met with Moses, gave him the Ten Commandments. He goes there to the mountain of God. Do you realize that was a 200-mile journey? It says there, uh, there he came to a cave where, where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now, I want you to catch this because he, he's run. And if there's any place to run to, it's to God. He ran. He made a 200-mile journey. 40 days, 40 nights, he's running. And he gets down to this place. Remember, he's on foot. And he's fleeing for his life. He's fleeing from this Jezebel lady. And so he finally gets to the cave. And, and in the cave, God comes to him and says, what are you doing here? I, I, in other words, I have a job for you. And if you, if you were to look where he was located, he was, he was up here in Israel. He takes this 200-mile journey south, and God says, what are you doing here? I've got a plan for you. Didn't I give you an assignment? He's running, and, and, and all along, God sees that he's down, sees that he's depressed, but yet he still has a plan for him. Elijah replies, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. Verse 10, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. So what does God do? He says, go out and stand before me on the mountain. Uh, The Lord told him, and as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. I tend to look for God in those big things, don't you? I tend to see all the storm. I tend to see all this power and say, wow, look at the power. And it says here that God was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. How cool is that? Here's, here he is. He's, God says, go out here now. Now let's look. And, and he sees this earthquake now. Uh, and, and after the earthquake, there was fire. There was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. The Lord was not in the wind, he was not in the earthquake, he was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. It was the voice of God. The voice of God, God's voice was like a whisper. And I want to encourage you, when you're going through these moments of down, listen for the whisper of God. Listen for his voice. His voice will never be louder than the TV. His voice will never be louder than, than your kids. His voice will never be louder than any relationship. His voice will never be louder than your loss. And so we've got to come to the point where we, we get quiet before the Lord and we listen for him. And this is what he's done for him. Uh, verse, uh, verse 13, when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave and a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now imagine the whisper, Elijah. a plan for you i gave you an assignment in israel what are you doing here you see that's how god speaks and and through this whole journey he wasn't condemning god didn't condemn you know god didn't say elijah you screwed up he didn't say elijah why are you afraid of jezebel he didn't say elijah you should be doing better he said elijah what are you doing here and it was a welcoming statement. And, and, as, and now look, at, look at how he responds here. He says, uh, he replied again, I have zealously served the Lord Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. You see, he feels that he faced failure. 
He sees the failure of his own life. He says, they've torn down your altars. They've killed every one of your prophets. Uh, I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. He says, I am the only one left. But look what God says to him. He says, go back the same way you came. Travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hazael, the king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, to be king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel, to replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Hazel will be killed by Jehu. And those who escape Jehu will, will be killed by Elisha. Yet, I will preserve, how many? 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal. He thought he was the only one. You see what happens sometimes when we get down in these modes of depression and it's hurt and it's painful, it's dark, we're not even thinking straight sometimes. And God cleared the air. God said, I still have a plan. I still have a purpose for you. And I want you, what are you doing here? It's time to go on now. It's time. It's okay that you've had this time. Uh, Elijah it's okay that you've had this 40 days down. It's okay that you've been hiding in caves. It's okay that you've been sleeping and eating and resting. It's okay. But now it's time to pick up your journey. And as we, as we look at how God dealt with him, I'm reminded the, this morning what the psalmist said. He said this, Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why are you disturbed within me? In other words, I'm down. Why? I have to find the reason why. What is it that's bugging me? That depression is a symptom. It's a symptom that, hey, there's a check engine light. I've got to deal with something. Um, Hope in God, for I shall again praise him. The help of my countenance and my God. He says, there's hope. I've got to place my hope in God, for I'll praise him again. I get to praise him again. Yeah, I know that God is going to bring back my countenance, but right now my countenance isn't there. Right now I'm down. Right now I'm depressed, but I know because of the hope I have in him, I know who he is, the confident assurance that he will raise me up again. So as, as we close today, I want you to think about four reasons, four of the whys uh, that people can get depressed. One is physical. And we've talked a little bit about that. We see a little bit of that with Elijah. We see he's come off the adrenaline rush, and, and, it's, and, and it's hard, it's painful. And I want to encourage you today, if, uh, you know, if, you're, if you're dealing with it through a physical cause, it's okay. It's not sin. Depression is not sin. It's, it's something that we have to deal with. And I want to encourage you to deal with it. So if you need to, need to be talking to your doctor, talk to your doctor. It's okay. Um, you know, if somebody takes a blood pressure pill, it helps. And the same sometimes with depression. And so sometimes a doctor can help in those areas. God gave these doctors some wisdom. So, and I realize that we, we live in a world where there's over-medication, where people are self-medicating. I'm not talking about self-medicating. You know, you can self-medicate through any type of prescription. You can self-medicate through any type of booze, any type of food, any type of entertainment. I'm not talking about self-medicating. I'm talking about you've gone to the doctor, and the doctor says, hey, this can help you through this time of your life. Uh, how about improper thinking? You know, uh, Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, my brothers, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are honest, if there's any virtue, if there's any praise, think on these things. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I, I tend to deal with this. 
because my thoughts become like a broken record sometimes, you know? My, my daughter just got one of those record players. You see, how, isn't that crazy how those have come back again, you know? They're so old that they're new, you know? And I remember as a kid putting those records on and you got a scratch. If you had a scratch on the record, anybody remember that? A, a few, okay, a few of you out there, vintage, right? So us vintage folks, we remember, we remember what that was like, you know? People were listening to their iPhone. What do you mean a scratch on your iPhone? You just got a new cover, right? Anyhow, so you got a scratch on a record player and as it would come, the guy would start singing and it would just make him skip and he keeps skipping back to the same spot, you know? Oh, 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 oh. And in our house, we were all too lazy to get up and fix it, you know? So we'd just yell at each other, who's going to fix it, you know? And, and, and so here's what happens. Sometimes our thoughts, we trip up on a negative. And the negative, we can keep coming back. I lost my job, I lost my job, I lost my job, I lost my job. All right, it's a negative. It's a bad day. I'm dealing with health. I'm dealing with these things. So the scripture says to train our mind not to be tripped up on the negative. Whatever's honest, whatever's lovely, whatever's true, if there's any virtue, if there's any praise, think on these things. So we pick up the needle and we move forward. And I want to encourage you to do that in your life because our thoughts can trip us up. Uh, there's also spiritual could be sin in our life. Sometimes there's sin. The psalmist David, he dealt with sin. And uh, he said, man, my sin is, is, is keeping me from God. You go read Psalm 51. It's, it's pretty amazing. He says, Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. He's just so down and distraught. But God restores him. And I want to encourage you to, to, to deal with that. If you're, if you're dealing with some unresolved sin, come before the Lord. And then here, here's what happens. After you deal with it, then, you, then, then sometimes you're afraid to move on. It's like, all right, I've been forgiven. And so here you are. You, you've gone down through the valley. You're, you're, you've gone down here, and you're dealing with maybe, maybe yours is because of some sin. And then you say, okay, Lord, I'm asking you for forgiveness of the sin. And God instantly forgives you. And now he wants you to move forward. Well, what happens is many times we don't feel like moving forward. God wants me to do this, but I don't feel it. My emotions are way back here. My emotions are way behind. And God says, listen, I have forgiven you of that. Let's move forward. Let's put that. I have buried that as far as the east is from the west. So now it's time to move forward. And our emotions, now check this out. When we do that, God forgives us. Sometimes my emotions are still back here. But when I start to make the progress up here, all of a sudden my emotions catch up. And it may take a while for my emotions to catch up, but I start moving because the facts, remember we said this several weeks ago, facts and feelings sometimes don't align. So we have to move, take, take that to the next level, especially after some spiritual things. And I think that could be on many things. And then there's loss. You know, we, we're just dealing with loss. Loss of uh, relationship, loss of, of job, loss of any number of things. And, uh, you know, I just want to encourage you as we close here today because th this is what happens in life. You're coming along in life and there's th then these events happen. And, and we deal with these events all the time. Um, they're painful. And it's like all of a sudden we take this dip and, we're, and we go down and we have, the, we have this downtime. And then a as we go through them, I want you to know that on the other side there, there's, there's light, there's hope. And God says, you know, and, and you go through this downtime and it's hard, it's painful. 
For many of us, it's even part of grieving. And, and you see, this, this is a really hard part of life. But as you go down, I want to encourage you to know this, that God says, I am with you. I will never leave you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Not even when you think I'm not there. I want to encourage you because as you go through, you're going to be able to come up and God will continue. And he's going to take you on to the next journey, to the next thing. And this is what happened with Elijah. Elijah came here. He went down and it was down. It was dark. And God says, what are you doing here? I've got something for you to do. And this morning, I want to ask you, where are you at on the journey? God says, what are you doing here? I want you, I got a plan for you. I love you. He hasn't beaten you up because you've been on the, in a dark journey. He says, I love you. I'm going to help you to get to the next leg of the journey. Let's bow in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I want to encourage you to, to respond to the things of God. He paid the price for your sin on the cross. He gave it all so that you could have eternal life, so that you could be free. And I want to encourage you this morning to be free. Free indeed. And to, uh, and to just come before him and, and trust him. And so with our heads bowed and eyes closed, and may, maybe you're sitting here and you say, Pastor Ken, I've not yet trusted God as my personal savior. I haven't yet opened my heart to him. I want to invite you today to open your heart to him and trust him. And just say something like this to God. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I've done wrong things. And I'm in need of a savior. God, I invite you into my life. Because you died on the cross. Jesus, you paid the price for my sin. And you came back to life again. And it's because of you I have hope. I invite you into my life today. Maybe for others in here this morning, maybe you've been going through a dark time. Maybe you've been dealing with some, you've dealt with some loss this year. Maybe the past six months has been quite a journey. Maybe the past two weeks has been a journey. Where are you at in this process? I want to encourage you to know that it's, it's okay not to be okay. But it's not okay to stay that way. Because God died. Jesus died on the cross and paid for your sin. He came back to life. And he's given you life that starts now. And he will walk the journey with you. He's not afraid of the journey. And I don't want you to be afraid of the journey. And walk the journey with God. But as the psalmist said, place your hope in who he is. Father God, we respond to you this morning. We thank you. Thank you that you love us. That you know us. You, you've made our bodies. You understand our struggles. You've given us a bright hope and a bright future. Lord, for, the, for every one of us, you said, I have given you a future. I promise, God, we thank you and we love you. And we respond to your name this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Please stand with us as we close today.